The Commissioner for the Tennessee Department of Health, Dr. Lisa Piercy, joins us on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation to talk about the many issues the department is addressing, including teen vaping and why you need to get your flu shot, and the impact it has on those around you when you don't. So it's got to be an interesting journey to get to be the Commissioner of the Tennessee Department of Health. What was that road for you? How did you get from where you were to where you are now? Let me tell you, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> uh, but man, I'm glad I'm doing it because it is the most fun thing I have ever done. Uh, but it was quite an interesting path to get there. And in all seriousness, it was not something that you that you plan for. Yeah. Um, and kind of the way it happened, um, you know, I was in private practice for um, about five years. And uh, quite frankly, instead of having a fifth child, I got an MBA. <laughs> and uh, when I got when I got my business degree, I didn't uh, I didn't really expect to go into healthcare business, yeah. but found it really interesting. And so transitioned over time into hospital administration. And uh, in my most recent role in the hospital world, um, I ran rural hospitals. And particularly in West Tennessee, where I'm from, you know, there we've had a, the epicenter of rural hospital closures uh, yeah. really in the nation. And um, so just by default, I had to get involved with policy and with legislators. Um, and so um, we just started that conversation. And then when Governor Lee won the general election, you know, he has a big focus on rural uh, areas and um, uh, approached me and said, hey, you want to talk about this? And I wasn't sure. Uh, and so we talked about it for a couple months and uh, he made the offer and I was very, um, very grateful for that. And I have enjoyed every minute of it. Well, it's quite a different task, too, because now you're in politics. Yeah. Now you're working with the governor where before you're, you know, working just as a doctor and not just as, but, you know, <laughs> it's quite a transition to move into government. How was that transition? Yeah, that that was probably or that has been the the biggest learning curve because, um, yeah, I'm not going to say I've got a great handle on healthcare, but right. I mean, you know, I've been working in the field for a couple of decades. I've got a pretty decent <laughs> handle on it. Um, but the whole move into government and politics was different. Um, it's almost like a different industry. And so um, I went from hospital operations, which is very concrete and data-driven, um, to something that's much more strategic and um, people-focused, which is great. I right. love it. Um but there, there are always other sides, plural, of yeah. the story that you have to consider. Well, I, I tell you, we, we do appreciate you being here in Clarksville. And to have a commissioner come in is is pretty good for us. Yeah. And, you know, Clarksville was, uh, by Money Magazine, no, rated number one place to live in the country. So. You've picked you picked a good spot for this uh, for well, this podcast awesome. for sure. That's awesome. I know some great people from Clarksville, and uh, we've got a great health department here in Montgomery County. Yeah. Um, and and so I've already been up to visit it, and uh, got some really good things going on here. Well, can we talk about a couple of the things that you focus on health wise? Um, and I'll let you pick what, what's the most important. But you know, we've we we hear about ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences. You know, we hear about the flu, we hear about vaping. Can you kind of touch on some of those and tell us what your focus is? Sure. Um, so speaking of ACEs, um, you know, that actually has a personal um, uh, connection to me because I'm a child abuse pediatrician. You, so you dealt with that in the private practice. Yeah. And actually, I'm still seeing patients. And so um, 
I uh, am blessed to be able to still see a few child abuse patients every week. Um, there aren't many of us in the state, so uh, it was important for me to retain that uh, very limited practice. But I see the practical effects of that all of the time, um, of, of children who have been abused or neglected, and how that affects not only their mental health, but their physical health as well. Yeah. And so as the literature and the medical evidence has evolved, we're really starting to see how ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, impact physical and mental health down the road um, many, many more times, seven to 10 more, seven to 10 times more likely to have a substance abuse disorder, um, 10 to 12 times more likely to have a suicide attempt. Um, lots of different uh, health outcomes yeah. resulting from childhood trauma. So at the Department of Health, you know, it, it's one thing to fix stuff after it already happens, diabetes, heart disease, uh, behavioral health disorders. But when you can prevent them in the first place, that's where the real movement is. And so it's not a fast process uh, and it's not an easy or a cheap one, uh, but it's one that if we want to make sure that our state is healthy in the long term, we have to start addressing that. So if uh, someone wants more information about that, they can go to our local health department? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have um, folks in every health department in the state uh, that specifically work with young families and young children um, to prevent and mitigate adverse childhood experiences. Uh, and there are lots of community agencies as well. That's amazing to have a doctor who's who's still dealing with that. Like you didn't give up that part of your practice being in the position you're, you're at right now because it does lead to so many problems. And I think we're seeing so many of these problems play out in big numbers is is child abuse something that we see more of in 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 Tennessee than in other parts of the country is there a connection between the things we're facing here and a higher number of that or is it just that's a good question. The short answer is no. Okay. Um, our rates are pretty um, consistent with everywhere across the nation, but what may surprise you is how prevalent it is. Um, and I think a lot of people, when when they hear about child abuse, they think about battered children, children yeah. that have been assaulted. Quite frankly, much more common than that is child sexual abuse. One in eight. And, and in some in some instances, it might even be less than that. Uh, and so when you talk about children uh, that are hiding those kind of secrets uh, and having to live with that, it doesn't take much of a stretch at all. They're going to self-medicate. And that might be with substances. It might be with food. It might be with um, inappropriate relationships. It might be a lot of things. And that impacts both their mental and physical health. So what can you do in your position to help us help those young people that are dealing with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, something that the department is doing is um, really focusing in on early childhood and that two-generational approach, because you can't just treat the child or you can't just address the child. You have to address the parent as well uh, and the whole family unit. So something uh, that we have the benefit of is we have the benefit of all of the birth certificate data at yeah. the department. And so we're able to look at factors that make families higher risk um, and intervene early. You know, evidence-based home visiting where you go into the home and you, you talk to the family about what is it that you need? Do you need more food security? Do you need uh, child care or employment um, and, and helping families uh, get off on the right foot? Have you brought ideas to the governor, like something that you see day to day because you're in the front lines? Have you brought things to him like this could uh, help with some problems we're seeing in Tennessee? 
Um, the the good news is is I am surrounded by a lot of really smart people. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they um, they are scouring the evidence both nationally and internationally for what are the effective interventions for all of these things. Uh, and those are way uh, more intelligent than what I've come up with. But what I can provide, uh, and and I've been blessed to have the opportunity to do so, is tell those personal stories um, of of children that I've seen that have um, endured abuse or neglect. And, you know, oftentimes I'll think, you know, if I were eight years old and had to live with that, I would probably wake up every morning looking for something to make me forget that. Um, and and really um, taking that experience and turning it into something that we can work on at the department to affect the state in a, in a broader way. Yeah. I would think too that the strength that you see, because you said, what was it, uh, kids that are, that are abused, have a higher percentage of actually going and, and, and being drug addicts, but that's not every kid. I can imagine some of the strength that you see dealing with these kids has to be just absolutely inspiring to see what they do with all they've been uh, through. Absolutely. And and what I'm hearing you describe uh, is what we call resilience. Mm-hmm. And children, uh, I mean, that's, that's why I got into pediatrics to begin with, because kids are so resilient, both physically and mentally. Um, and if we put the right supports in place, they can overcome this, and they've got some great success stories. How, how have has your programs, how have they improved since you've been there, I mean, I'm sure there was a base for it, but have you have you ramped it up some? Well, I have um, uh, inherited the department in an extremely good and strong position. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so, um, all I've had to do is kind of shift the focus a little bit. Um, and uh, we've just rolled out our four year strategic plan that's been approved by the governor. Uh, and so, it's something that we'll be working on for the next four years. Um, and it has two major components. One is prevention and one is access. Prevention is pretty classic public health. You, you'll hear the term upstream, working upstream yeah. a lot to prevent things. And that's everything from uh, tobacco use, substance misuse, uh, childhood obesity, all of the things that um, are causing problems down the road. The access portion is a little bit um outside of the traditional realm of public health. Um, but we need to structure our system, both within the Department of Health and with our community partners, to allow people for ready access to both preventative care and uh, medical care. Um, I wanted to talk, you brought up smoking really quick. My, my wife is a middle school teacher, and she talks about the rise of vaping. Where, you know, when we were kids... There was a smoking section outside the school where everybody smoked before they went into class. (laughs) That's right. And between classes. Right. Now, vaping is everywhere, and especially in the schools. That's a big, big thing to tackle when you've got, you know, this problem that's happening at, at, it seems like, every every school. I I couldn't believe sixth graders were were doing this sort of thing. What is this big thing in your plate, and how are you dealing with the underage vaping issue? Yeah, you better believe it's a real threat. Yeah. Uh, I've got four teenagers and I will hear them, overhear them talk about who had what flavor at school today and who got away with it in class. Yeah. They're vaping in class, um, which is just astonishing to me. Um, it, but you're exactly right. Kids don't, by and large, don't start 
what we call combustible cigarettes anymore, traditional cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. If they start nicotine use, they're starting with vaping. Um, and so many of the different flavors and candy uh, scents and flavors uh, are attracting them to that. And so they're getting hooked on nicotine, oftentimes at the same or even higher concentrations as traditional cigarettes. Uh, and so we have now a whole generation of nicotine addicts that aren't even... 18 yet. Do you remember the um, Little House on the Prairie episode where I believe it was Laura tried cigarettes for the first time? <laughs> and it was. I, I know the show, but I don't think I saw that episode. <laughs> well, she, she tries it and she coughs because it's so awful. And it was one of those like, don't smoke kids. But it, I, I remember trying a cigarette and it was awful. But now it tastes yeah. like Skittles. Yeah. Right. That's How right. do you battle something that tastes like. Half the battle before was cigarettes tasted awful. Now they taste like snickerdoodle cookies and, and Skittles. <laughs> what ideas do you have to come to combat that and to get kids not into the world of snickerdoodle vape? Well, I, I'm unfamiliar with a snickerdoodle vape, but there was a uh, guy here that had snickerdoodle. It was really, I know it, it smelled like someone was baking cookies in here and you'd <laughs> oh. walk around and go like, who's baking cookies, but, but you just see a guy on his, on his, on his vape thing, but they're not marketing to kids. Just no, make sure they're not you know, marketing those to kids. Right. Are not right. very enticing to kids. At they're all. very enticing to kids, and it would be a, a something where before just the awfulness of it was a deterrent, but that deterrent's been kind of removed. That's right, and which makes it doubly scary. So, I one of the most effective things we can do is ask kids, and and I, I understand with teenagers that it's it's derogatory to call them kids, but that's what right, they are. Right. Ask the kids, what is it that works? And so we have created um, sort of a teenage marketing platform called TN, mm -hmm. see, TN Strong, yeah. um, and, and there's a website for that. Um, and we have had teenagers come together and say, what are the messages that you want to send to your colleagues and your peers? Yeah. Um, and they're way more effective than we as adults would have come up with. We think we're cool, but then we're, we're about six months behind on the lingo. And oh, when you try to best. talk to your teens and you say something like, were you totally jelly or is that your bay? They roll their eyes at you because now you're just being extra. You're, you're just being extra. Yeah, you two are made for each other. Let me tell you. You know, you know, and we keep hearing nicotine, but but and I don't know much about vaping, but there are other chemicals in there, right? And and what yeah, there are a lot of nasty chemicals and, and, you know, even for the nicotine, but also, you know, a lot of these vaping related illnesses that we're seeing um, are THC or marijuana related, uh, but not all of them, quite mm. frankly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have to have something in those little cartridges that can withstand the heat so you can vaporize the drug, whatever right. drug you're using mm. and pull it into your lungs. And so what we're seeing in these vaping related injuries are uh, kind of fat or oil associated pneumonia huh. because th there's oil in these cartridges. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you walked up to anybody and said, do you think it's a good idea to suck oil down your lungs? Well, no, that's not a good idea. Right. That's what you're doing when you're vaping. And so um, not only is it the drug itself, but it's all the other chemicals that go along with it. I'm glad you're in this job because this is something I would never want to tackle. You've got a what? huge, oh. <laughs> a huge plate of problems that Thanks. you have to look at from all these different avenues because vaping is something that for adults, it's legal, right? And so you don't want to infringe upon the rights of adults, right. but it's something that's so appealing to young people who are going to rebel and do something their parents don't want them to do anyway. How do you fight that battle on both sides it's job security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, can we just touch on one more thing sure. before we end? Yeah. Can we talk about the flu? 
and flu shots and the importance. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think people forget how bad the flu can be. Well, I think they mix it up with food poisoning. Oh, yeah. And that's crazy. When people, I, I mean, most of the time, influenza, true influenza is fever and the worst respiratory infection you may have ever had mm-hmm. and aches and chills. And, and yes, yeah, some people do have stomach bug type symptoms along yeah. with it. Mostly that's just kids. Most adults don't get uh, gastrointestinal um, uh, uh, symptoms with it. But, you know, people are like, oh, it's just the flu. I'll be home from work for two or three days. Influenza is the number one preventable cause of mortality, infectious mortality in this country. And every single year, thousands, you're not hearing me incorrectly, thousands of infants and and elderlies especially are hospitalized and hundreds die every year. And so, you know, yeah, for you or me, we're healthy and yeah, yeah, it might be three or four days at home and feeling pretty cruddy. But we really need to protect ourselves and those around us because we might pass that on to somebody who's immunocompromised, somebody's on chemo or an infant or an elderly uh, relative, and that might be deadly for them. What is the funniest objection you've heard to getting a flu shot? Oh, gosh, there's a there's a bunch. Um, You know, I get irritated and I apologize if this offends anyone, but I get irritated with these, you know, grown, I was about to say grown men, but um, these grown <laughs> and then folks. looked at me. So. <laughs> these grown folks who are like, oh, I'm scared of needles. It's the tiniest little needle. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy who used to work here that thought they were somehow uh, trackers from the Chinese government into the flu shot. Well, How the that. heck do you overcome that objection? Yeah, that, you know, I just, if, if, if you're struggling with that, then we've just got bigger problems. Um, but that, no, you don't get tracked by the government. And, uh, you know, actually common excuses, the most common is, oh, I'll get the flu yeah. from the flu right, shot. Right. Uh, and that's actually not physiologically possible because it's there's no flu virus in the shot. It's timing. What happens is, Somebody gets a flu shot and then they go and have uh, a dinner out and they get food poisoning and they think, oh, that's the flu that I've had. They do. And I hear that all the time. And you, what you need to remember, and and it's the impetus for getting flu shot today, yeah. whatever day you're hearing this, get it today because it takes two weeks to build immunity. Yeah. And, you know, we hmm. give we give flu shots during the sickest, quote, time of the year. Yeah. And so, yeah, somebody might get a, a, sh- a flu shot and then they go out that night or the next day and they pick up a virus that they would have picked up anyway and they attribute it to that and yeah. it has nothing to do with it. Well, it's amazing that a lot of employers, you know, offer free flu shots. And then recently, um, our local health departments are doing drive-through flu Shots, Right. So you can drive through a parking lot. So, I mean, there's not an excuse for the accessibility of the shot. So it's really just be a grown up and go get it. <laughs> I can say what, that. What you said. I, that's not exactly how Charlie's I would Charlie's not a government it. official. You can say be a grown up and go get your shot. That, and that wasn't it. But that no, was, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Be responsible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even, uh, even down to age six months. Um, because yeah. uh, children and elderly and any of those, but you make a good point. It's very accessible. Yeah. Um, and you can get it almost anywhere, churches, schools, et cetera. Protect your loved ones. You may be strong and healthy, but that doesn't mean that you could not pass that on to someone who is not strong and healthy and immunocompromised, as you said. Would you want to have that on your conscience for the rest of your life? You gave grandma the flu? That's going to wreck Christmas and Thanksgiving. Nobody wants to do that. Get your flu shot for Pete's sake. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Clarksville's Conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.